And if you've been following along with us and been here week by week, uh, you know that it's even these last uh, two, three weeks that we've been looking at the judgment of Babylon. And as the world events on this earth, as we know it, kind of begin to come to a close as far as the tribulation period is concerned anyway, um, things got gruesome, uh, very, very dramatic, um, uh, very descriptive, very bothersome in some ways. Uh, we're going to begin chapter 19 today. And now we really sail into the last chapters of God's plan for you and I who know the Lord Jesus Christ. And this should just be so encouraging. And we can certainly echo those words that we were just singing together, because he lives. Because he lives, that's the story, that's the gospel story. Because he lives, we can face uncertain times. We can face the future without fear. We can face it with confidence that we have in God's word here, we'll look at in just a few moments, the certainty of the last chapter, that we have victory in Jesus. And so, if you'll open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19, this is certainly holy ground here. I'd like you to stand as well as we read God's word together. We're just going to be looking at the first 10 verses. The first 10 verses. And so if you'll follow along with me, beginning in verse 1, Revelation 19. After these things I heard, as it were, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, and we just sang these words together as well. Thanks, Josh. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders, remember them, and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, once more, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you, his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours. And your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The whole story is about Jesus. You may be seated. Father in heaven, we, we come before you this morning just in awe of your plan for us. 
Lord God, I just pray that there's not a person in this room who, even as we have read your word together, as, as each one has looked on, as we, as we look down at the pages here in Revelation chapter 19, and we see this hallelujah repeated, and we see this victorious scene in heaven, and we see this thing called the wedding feast of the Lamb. Lord God, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what the future looks like of our world, of our country, how great to know that we have complete hope because of you. Lord, I pray that you would just instruct our hearts this morning, that you would encourage us this morning, that you would lift us up with your holy and perfect word. Be our teacher. We pray in that precious name of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Let me just get something here real quick. I... What I got is a, a bag that's got a few books in it, which is just representative of the fact that I love books. Anybody that knows me well would, would know that. I love reading. My kids, who all love to read too, are always teasing me because I'll pick up almost any subject if the writing is good and it's not dishonoring to God. And so that would do the full scale of World War II books, Founding Fathers, History, obviously good Christian books, good biographies, business books, political books, animal stories, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, just a, just a few uh, here that may or may not interest you. Who has read The, uh, the History of In-N-Out Burger? Okay, good, good read. And... Um, this one, Paul might appreciate this one, Paul Hardzinski. This is called The Honeybee Democracy. And so it's a whole book about the, uh, the political alignment of beehives. All right, very interesting. One of my kids got me that. And um, Modoc, the true story of the greatest elephant that ever lived. Okay, fascinating story, it really is. And this is the one my kids tease me about probably the most is they couldn't believe that anybody would read this, and I found it fascinating. The Biography of Cotton. <laughs> and so probably didn't make the bestseller list, but I've been teased about this hundreds of times. In fact, uh, Jalissa, who's not here today, uh, thought it was so funny that for Father's Day, she got me a book on the biography of cod, the fish, yes. And, uh, and it was actually very, very good. Where's the history of zero? But... <laughs> As, as, good as, as good as those books are, many of them, uh, not all of them, obviously, you've got to sift through a lot of losers. You know, I always tell my kids, I, I can read the preface or I can read uh, one page of the first chapter to know whether somebody can write or not and whether that's going to hold me. And so a lot of them get rejected that way. But as, a lot, uh, as good as the really, really good ones are, and there's a lot of good books out there, a lot of good Christian books as well, I have rarely read one of them twice, let alone multiple times. 
That distinction goes to an entirely different category of books, though, that are still in my wife and my, our home behind the church here. But those are subjects more in the realm of kittens' mittens and pokey puppies and green eggs and bunnies that need padding. As one of the great joys of having had a home full of children were those precious, joyful days when they loved to be read to. Those moments when a, when a crowd would, would come around my feet and grab my pant leg and shout, Daddy, Daddy, read to us. And if you did the right thing and, and responded to them immediately, no matter how busy you were, it was a matter of hyperspeed with, with all kinds of running little feet. And suddenly, amazingly, a stack of books this high would appear on the coffee table. And they would act like they'd never even seen those books before, like somehow they were transformed into new books, books that they hadn't heard before. And so began one of the most joyful rituals of raising children, reading the same stories dozens, maybe even hundreds of times. And they never tired of it. That's the amazing thing is the kids never tired of it. They would always say, at the end of a book, you know the phrase, three words, got it better than Biden here, read it again. And it never ceased to amaze me how many times they could hear the same story over and over again. It was like they memorized it. Each picture, each word, each page as you read it. Sometimes I would look over while I was reading and their mouths would even be moving silently with the words. I think there was great comfort and security in knowing exactly how each story would unfold and then how each story would come to an end in the last chapter. You really find this out when you try an abbreviated version, a Reader's Digest type of version of a story. Usually if it's late at night and you're tired or maybe you've just read this same story 2,000 times. And so you leave out a page or you leave out a paragraph, or you begin to condense some of the ideas. And what happens? Daddy, read it right. <laughs> read it right. Now, with all that in mind, and I hope that you have shared that kind of experience as well, or those of you who haven't had children yet, you're ready to embark on one of the most joyful things about having children in your home. I want to tell you this morning that I believe with all my heart that we could learn a lot from them. God has given us, has told us the greatest story we could ever hear. Isn't that true? His revelation of himself and his plan for us, his purpose for us, all the way through the final chapter, correct? But what happens to us? As we begin to look around our world, as we begin to get discouraged, as, as we begin to, to get weighed down by the cares and concerns of this world, we begin to skip pages in God's story. We begin to forget details in his revelation. We even change the story 
thereby allowing the cares and temptations of this world to, to begin to erode our sense of, of true security and true stability in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Remember his timeless promise to us all the way back at the very beginning of, of the book of Revelation. Do you remember these words? We would do well to go back to them often as we study the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, the third verse. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. God pronouncing a blessing on his story for those of us who remember. As we continue the, the story of his revelation now, as we just began to read together chapter 19, huge, amazing, amazing dramatic changes take place. In fact, the I like the words of, we just talked about him at our men's Bible study this past week. The, the late, great, faithful Bible teacher, J. Vernon McGee, wrote this about chapter 19. He said, it makes such a, or marks such a dramatic change in the tone of the book of Revelation. The destruction of Babylon, the capital of the beast kingdom, marks the end of the great tribulation. Then the somber gives way to song. The transfer is from darkness to light, from black to white, from dreary days of judgment to bright days of blessing. This chapter makes a, a definite division in Revelation and ushers in the greatest event for this earth, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the bridge between the great tribulation and the thousand-year millennium period. How does the chapter begin? John is now, remember, John kind of moves back and forth, or he's moved back and forth by God, or these angelic beings. And so there's scene one, scene two, scene three. John now is back in heaven. The earth is teetering on self-destruction, God's judgment. But before the heavenly throne, back in heaven, is one huge hallelujah Jesus rally. A scene, a chapter, a page that is critical to God's story. Details that we can't leave out. Things that we can't forget. Images as part of the final chapter that are critical for us to understand everything. A future of certain victory that should influence you and I here and now in 2022, approaching in just a couple of months a brand new year with so many ifs and buts and, and uncertainties on the horizon. But we know this is true. We can camp right here in chapter 19, chapter 20, chapter 21, chapter 22. We can camp there. We can sit there. We know how it ends. And we need to memorize these words. We can't forget them. So why all this excitement in heaven all of a sudden? John taken to heaven, chapter 19. What's all the excitement about? Well, I want to call it the three R's of rejoicing. The three R's of rejoicing that are a vital, vital part of the story. So here's the first one. Because there are R's in the, in the scripture here. 
Here's the first one. Righteous are his judgments. The first R, the first reason for rejoicing. Righteous are his judgments. And we see that again in verses 1 through 4 in chapter 19. When John says he heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. John is blown away once again by the power of God because of his judgment. Because his judgments, he says, are true and righteous. Because he's judged Babylon. Chapter 17, chapter 18. And a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down. They're echoing this. They're worshiping God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. They're all rejoicing. This guy told you, it's a Hallelujah Jesus. It's a Hallelujah God rally, party in heaven. A celebration. Now, what does that word hallelujah mean? We just sang it together, actually, as hallelujah, which is another form of it. It means the same thing. Here in Revelation, it's spelled hallelujah. It's used four times in six verses. And did you know it's the only place that the term hallelujah is used in the New Testament? It's from the Hebrew. It's two words. So it's a compound word. The first word is halal. The second word is yah. Halal means praise in Hebrew. It means to give honor to. Ha, uh, hallelujah, Yah is a form of the word God. So it's a form of Yahweh, which means then literally to praise God. Now what's going on here? They're shouting this hallelujah. So this isn't one person just saying, oh, look what's going on. Hallelujah. This is a chorus of, of thousands and thousands of voices. Why? Why are they all spontaneously at the same time saying the same thing? Praise God. Hallelujah. Over and over again. Because as we just said, as the scriptures clearly state, in reference to the end of what has been going on on the earth during the tribulation period when it seems like everything is spun out of control. Christianity has been com almost completely wiped out, the world thinks. The enemy has taken over everything, buying and selling, political, power. God judges the whole thing. It all comes to a close. It all comes to an end. And the scriptures tell us his judgments are true and righteous. Now, why is this so important for us to understand? Why does this elicit then this, this huge hallelujah party? Because God has the final word. You and I need to know that. Do you remember that? That's a vital part of the story. Your God always has the final word. All wrongs will one day be vindicated. It may not happen right now. And we're seeing that. We're seeing Christians being squashed. We're seeing the, the, the voice of the Lord and the, the influence of the Lord begin to diminish somewhat. We're seeing crazy things going on in our world, in our own land that we've never seen before. 
moral positions that we thought unthinkable just 20 years ago. But all wrongs will be vindicated. In other words, this party on earth isn't going to go on forever. God wins. And for you and I, we're on the right side of his judgment in the Lord Jesus Christ. That elicits a hallelujah, right? We know we're going to be on the right side of his judgment. We're not part of Babylon. Are you a Babylonian? Or are you a citizen of heaven? I hope you fall on the right side of that. Have you ever been somewhere where, where you were asked to move because you're standing in an unsafe place? It might be near a construction site. It might be that you're just kind of innocently standing somewhere and some kind of official comes along and says, I'm sorry, you're going to have to move. There's a big piece of equipment coming by here or you're in a dangerous area. My wife and I go bike riding every day that we can when it's dry and, and so we've been able to see the progression of the construction on the 205 bridge. There's all kinds of crazy equipment down there. There's all kinds of dangerous places to, to stand and be, and there's cones and, and signs and people directing traffic, and, and it's changing all of the time because there's a lot of danger zones there. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I will always be standing on the safe side of his judgment. Did you know that? That's why heaven's so excited. We will be on the safe side of his righteous judgment. Safe, secure, protected, shielded, sheltered forever and ever. That's cause for rejoicing. Yes? Here's the second R of rejoicing. A second vital part of this story and all the excitement that's going on in heaven. Reigning is our almighty God. So the second R is reigning. Our God reigns. Reigning is our almighty God. Look again at verses 5 and 6. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. No divisions here. And I heard, as it were, the voice, here it is again, of a great multitude. And then John describes further, a great multitude. So we'd say, okay, well, that's a lot of people. But then he says, this is something like I've never heard before. The sound of many waters. The sound of mighty peals of thunder. This is just voices that sound like these things. Can you imagine? I don't even think he can describe really what it was like. And what are they saying? Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. He reigns. Here, literally, in the Greek language, it's, it's kind of interesting, and I think it's worth pointing out, that the verb form that's used is a real rallying cry to keep those hallelujahs coming. Because the verb translated give praise or hallelujah literally means keep praising. It's in the present tense. It means do this over and over and over again. All of this by an even louder group. Heavenly acoustics beyond anything that we would ever know here. Obviously, John had never heard this before, and you could imagine the kind of impact that it had on him, the kind of impact 
that it had, should have on us. John not being at that particular time in the present either, John being in first century Christianity, you and I not yet being there either, and yet the message to both of us is the same. In the future, our God, the Almighty, will continue to reign. Our God will always reign. All the crazy stuff that we've seen happen in the book of Revelation, our God reigns. Our God is almighty. The one who can do anything, who will always do the perfect thing, is in charge forever and ever, and he is our God. He reigns. Do you forget that part of the story? We look at the story, we, we begin to color it, we begin to change it. Because we lose confidence, we, we lose our hope, we look at our world, we look at the things that are going on, life gets tough, we get sick, we get anxious, we lose our job, something, a circumstance comes up and all the things that we had planned suddenly change. Does that change the fact that our God reigns? Is God still on his throne in heaven? Is there ever a time that God is not on his throne in heaven? That's a critical part of the story. Our God reigns now. Our God reigns then. Our God will reign forever and ever and ever. Nothing changes. Here's the third R of rejoicing of this big hallelujah party in heaven. Ready is his bride. Ready is his bride. If we look at verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, the scriptures tell us one of the most exciting, greatest pictures in all of scripture. What is happening here? Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. Why? For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself, third R, ready. His bride. Who is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ? His church. Those who have been redeemed by the blood. As born-again believers, we are married to Jesus forever, united and, and bound permanently, eternally. It might be helpful to understand how this marriage process, the customs were in John's day, what his original readership would have understood by marriage, by this relationship of Jesus to his church. There's kind of a three-part process that John's readers would have understood in the first century. There was first the contract, and we call this also the betrothal. The interesting part about the betrothal is it could have been made when a boy and a girl were, were very young. They were linked together as two families. They were promised to each other. But at that particular time, even though they didn't get married, it was still binding. It was still legally binding. So they could not separate. 
Paul makes note of this in our relationship to Christ when in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he writes, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. We are in a, in a sense that, that legal contract kind of unbreakable relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The second part of that process is that at a suitable age, so once this boy and girl are, are a little bit older, of course we know that appropriate age has changed uh, at different times in culture, the groom goes with a number of his friends and he goes to get the bride at her house and to bring him to a house that he has prepared for them. So that's the second part of it. And we see that imagery throughout the New Testament with the bridegroom and his friends. And then the third part of that is the consummation. And that's what's brought out here in Revelation 19, the festival, the banquet. The festival or banquet of the marriage feast would have tons of guests. So it was, this was a huge, huge social event. Everybody would be invited. It could last for days. It could even last for weeks. So this whole thing gives us a beautiful picture of this amazing banquet, this wedding feast that we've been waiting for as the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know the Lord Jesus, if you are born again, if you are a blood bought believer, you are part of that bride and you are invited to this great feast at the end of the tribulation period that begins to take place in heaven. And what a beautiful picture it is. The spirit we read about in the beginning of Ephesians, we read in Chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, listen to this. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit of God, when you are born again, when you... Uh, uh, Accept the Lord Jesus Christ. When you become a new creature in Christ, the Holy Spirit becomes your engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is, a, is a, almost a legal binding that says you are promised to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are promised this inheritance in heaven. I am your, your, I'm your down payment. I'm your promise. I'm your guarantee. I'm your engagement ring that this is really going to be fulfilled. Jesus' blood, the payment that he made for you and I to take care of all of our sin problem on the cross is like our dowry. At the rapture of his church, when he comes back to get his own before the tribulation period and we appear with him in the air or we meet him in the air, He's coming back for us. His second coming also in Revelation chapter 19 is his coming back as the bridegroom comes for his bride. And the feast, the feast is our eternity in heaven. The feast will begin with a thousand year reign 
on earth, the millennial period where Jesus Christ will reign physically on the earth and we will reign with him. And that's only the beginning. Thousand years, but that's only the beginning. Then we have the new heavens and the new earth where we will be forever and ever. What a feast. How do we respond to that? Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. That's what verse 7 said. Let us rejoice, be glad, and give glory to him. It's another hallelujah celebration. That position never changes. Well, what parts of the story have we forgotten? What part of this final chapter have we left out? I think we need to close with a few hallelujah boosters here. Because it's very clear that there's going to be a lot of praising God going on. And God has shown us this in advance. And God has put it in present tense. He wants it to begin here and now. Why not begin to rehearse now? I want to suggest just a few things before we close. How do we boost these hallelujahs? Number one, hallelujah is always based on the scriptures. It's always based on the scriptures. Look at the end of verse 9. These are the true words of God. Isn't that interesting? That that's just put in there. These are the true words of God. Don't forget this. Not opinions, not feelings, not changing circumstances, not what the crowd embraces at any given time. The word of God never changes. The story is never altered. The facts are never reversed. It's always the same. Secondly, hallelujah is always based on submission. Look at verse 5 again. And a voice came from the throne saying, give praise to our God, all you his, what? How are they described? His bond servants. His bond servants. Literally, his bond slaves. This is my position in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I experience the most joy, the most rejoicing when I acknowledge that he is in charge, not me. That he knows everything and that I know very little and what I do know is very imperfect. Being subject to him, being submissive to him, understanding that I am his servant is when I experience the most joy. It is what I was created for. And I'll close with this. The third hallelujah here, booster, is hallelujahs always based on our Savior alone. On our Savior alone. We have the, those incredible words at the end of verse 10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, Jesus is everything. Prophecy meaning the future events, what is to come, what is certain. We find that throughout the entire Bible. You pick up your Bible. It's a big book, isn't it? A lot of us attempt to read through the Bible. We have many, many programs. Read through the Bible in one year. I mean, how many other books do you read through in one year? I mean, it's a long time. There's a lot of content in here. 
From the beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through the end of the book of Revelation, there is one theme. There is one consistent theme. What is that? We see it at the end of verse 10. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all God's story of redemption, beginning in the Old Testament, showing us that we could not be redeemed by the law, that the law was inadequate, but there was one that was going to come and bear the penalty of the law in our place. The whole thing from beginning to end, that huge book in front of you is all about one subject, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our hallelujah boosters can come most effectively when we realize that it's always about Jesus Christ. It's not about a religious system. It's not about going through the motions. It's not about doing Christianity culturally correct. It's not about doing just a bunch of Christian stuff. It's always about Jesus. Remember back in Revelation chapter 2, what happened to the one church in Ephesus? Their main problem was very simple. They had lost their first love. They did all kinds of stuff. They were a vibrant church. They were the happening church. They were the popular church. But they lost their first love. It's all about Jesus. Everything. And when it's all about Jesus, have you not found that it is far easier to say hallelujah. Sometimes church stuff can wear you out. Sometimes system-oriented stuff can wear you out. Religious kind of stuff can burden you. But Jesus never does. When Jesus is first, it's hallelujah. Don't forget the story. Remember the kids. God uses children, small children, in so many ways to illustrate great truths because their lives are so unencumbered. Their faith is so pure and simple. They see things without all the distractions that we see things with. Let's take a lesson from the little ones. Read me the story. Don't leave out a chapter. Don't leave out a word. Don't leave out a paragraph. And certainly, Daddy, when we get to the last chapter of the book, it's got to end the same. I love the way this book ends. And I want to hear every word, every detail. Let's do that with God's revelation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that... These final chapters are chapters of great victory and assurance and hope and peace for those of us who know Jesus. May we never forget it. And we, may we be uninhibited in our saying, hallelujah. Help us, Lord, to begin rehearsing now. To keep it at the forefront of our minds so that we never forget how this story ends. We praise your name. We recognize that you alone reign. We recognize that everything is about Jesus. Jesus first. We pray in his name.
Amen.